This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a Friday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. Yes, we are live this morning. Dan Zampano was able to do a uh, live segment with us this morning, so he will be coming up at 9.15 to talk NFL football. Uh, it is a, uh, a – finally, we got some decent weather down here. We were down in the uh, – well, we got down to zero um, a few days ago, they said it is the coldest temperatures here uh, in Clay County in North Carolina in 40 years. So uh, I kept thinking I moved away from New England to get away from this cold weather, and it followed me. So uh, that, not exactly fun, but uh, we've got some uh, decent temperatures now. We're up close to uh, 60 degrees today, so I can't wait for that. Um, hope you all had a great holiday. I know I did. got the greatest gift ever, my wife. Um, Got me a signed Hall of Fame baseball cap uh, signed by Dennis Eckersley. And uh, I'm a big fan of Eck. I was a fan of his when he was with the Red Sox. I became a bigger fan of his uh, when he became the color commentator. Uh, and uh, so I have this uh, signed hat that she got with uh, with Eck's signature on it. It was pretty cool. Um, got a bunch of other things, but that was, uh, that was the highlight of my Christmas uh uh, so I can add that to the, uh, you see the hat collection I have behind me. That's just, by the way, that, that collection you see behind me, uh, if you're watching on Facebook, is just a small uh, piece of what I have. I probably have about 200 hats um, from different minor league and major league teams. Uh, I, I love collecting minor league hats. They have some of the greatest logos and greatest names. Uh, but anyway, uh, so... Uh, some other news before we get to uh, a couple of things I want to get to before Dan gets here. Uh, we are going to go back to doing a daily show starting on January the 2nd. The only difference is going to be um, that we will only be doing Facebook, the Facebook video feed on Fridays. Other than that, uh, we'll have the link to the broadcast on Facebook, but you'll only be able to listen online through our 365 Live 365 uh, provider. Just right now with the data caps that I have down here and the slow internet, um, but I, I want to get back to doing this. To be honest with you, just doing it once a week is driving me nuts. So we're going to go back to a daily uh, podcast or daily podcast, daily broadcast every morning. Uh, starting on Tuesday, January 2nd, and Facebook will only be on Fridays. But again, you'll still be able to listen every day if you want to. We'll have the link for you on Facebook. So uh, I'm excited about that. It's uh, I need to. I got a lot of I got a lot of stuff we need to talk about. Um, let's uh, before Dan gets uh, in here at 9:15. Let's uh, we've got to mention, of course, that Pele passed away. Uh, yesterday at the age of 82, perhaps the greatest soccer player in history. Um, he was considered the best. Diego Maradona probably uh, right up there with him. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo now, of course, uh, his name is being uh, mentioned along with Pele's. But really, that's uh, when you talk about a pantheon 
of international soccer stars. And look, don't get me wrong. I am not a big soccer fan. Uh, the only uh, World Cup matches that I watched uh, were the American ones. And I watched a little bit uh, of the final. Um, I watched the last half of the final plus the uh, um, the extra the uh, overtime. But that's it. I mean, I just I'm just not a soccer guy. I can't I? But you you also but though you can appreciate uh, talent, you know. And we we saw a lot of that uh, from Pele, obviously, and Maradona and uh, Lionel Messi, another guy uh, playing in his final uh, World Cup. But Pele, 82 years old, from Brazil, uh, maybe is responsible for the growth of soccer in the United States. When he joined the New York Cosmos in 1975, he was 34 years old at the time. Well past his prime, but still played for them for three seasons. Scored 64 goals over three seasons. Um, And it may be his participation in Major League Soccer in the United States that got the sport to where it is today. Look, it is still a distant also-ran in the United States, far behind uh, the NBA and the NFL. I still think it's well. It's well behind uh, Major League Baseball. Uh, It's probably ahead of the NHL, but... Uh, it is still and also ran in this country, but but it wouldn't even be where it is right now if not for somebody like Pele, who was not just a, a great player, but a great international ambassador for the sport, um, even after his, his retirement. Um, so he uh, passed away yesterday at the age of 82. He had been treated for colon cancer for the last year. Um, so uh, we lost one of the great ones. Look, we lost a lot of great people this year, and uh, we'll talk about that probably next week. But uh, it, 2022 was a brutal year for uh, sports and entertainment, the number of people that passed away uh, this year. Uh, just a quick note, uh, we don't have time to really get into it a lot this morning, but this whole thing with the Red Sox offseason has been absolutely brutal. Watching what Bloom has and has not done has been perhaps the most frustrating thing that I have ever gone through. You know, uh, it's just watching player after player after player sign other places. And the Red Sox letting Xander Bogarts walk to the San Diego Padres without a real effort to keep him. When you find out the kind of money that they offered him, it was downright insulting. So it has been, it was, it has been very frustrating to watch that. To watch Nate Valdi, a guy I wanted them to try to retain, to watch him go to the Texas Rangers uh, J.D. Martinez, look, you know, he went. his better days are behind him. He's gone to Los Angeles, but, but perhaps one of the greatest free agent signings in Red Sox history. Uh, he will forever be, uh, in my mind, one of the great Red Sox, you know, one of the big reasons that they had all those championships. Um, so I, I, have a, I don't have anything bad to say about him, but, you know, best of luck to him uh, in Los Angeles. But there have been just so many people signed, and the Red Sox have done nothing. And you know, uh, you know your big your big pitch, pitching signing is Corey Kluber, a guy who's won two Cy Youngs, but who has had a lot of injuries. Uh, pitched last year for Tampa, pitched to an ERA in the mid fours. This is not a guy uh, that is a top of the rotation guy anymore. He's a number four, number five starter. You know, and that's concerning. They're still putting a lot of hope on guys uh, like uh, Brian Bayo, Tanner Houck. <coughs> James Paxton, a guy who hasn't pitched in two years because of Tommy John surgery. They're going to take Garrett Whitlock out of the bullpen where he has been so effective and put him in the rotation. Just so many things that you, you just kind of scratch your head. 
and the fact that they are now going to take Trevor Story and put him at shortstop. I don't have a huge problem with that. I really, really don't. People talk about his arm strength, and he, he dealt with some stuff in, in Colorado with uh, arm inflammation. But look, he's got great range. He's going to get the balls that Bogart couldn't. You know, and b- believe me, I'd rather have Xander Bogarts at short and Story at second, but I think Trevor Story's going to be fine at shortstop. I think people are worrying about that a little bit too much. Uh, I am a little bit worried at second base, though. I'm, I'm, you know, having Christian Arroyo as your everyday second baseman, I'm not sure is the right way to go. I think I'd rather see them take Kike Hernandez and move him to second and then go out and sign a center fielder. The problem is, is that all these guys that could do that, Heimblum just, you know, they just sat and, and let guys get away. And the Red Sox don't have a financial, you know, uh, constraints, unless there's something we don't know about. You know, and, and I don't think it's just Bloom. I think the owners have to take a big part of the responsibility here, but it has been an absolutely maddening offseason. There's still time to fix it. There's still time to sign guys or make trades that they say they want to do. But we are, we're six weeks away, folks, from the start of spring training. Think about that. Six weeks away from the start of spring training, and this Red Sox roster is nowhere near better than it was last year, and that was something that was supposed to happen. And uh, if you watch social media, it has been it has been entertaining to watch Red Sox fans lose their minds. You know, some uh, you know a little over the top, shocking on social media. People going over the top, but it's been it's been frustrating. And look, not for nothing, if they finish in last place again this year, Heimblum is done. Matter of fact, if they're in last place in June, Heimblum is done. You know, again, you know, we're looking at the the Tampa Bay Ray model in Boston, and that will not work. Fifteen minutes past the hour, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Dan Zapano joins us to talk NFL football. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is eighteen minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Friday morning. And as we are every Friday, we are thrilled to be joined by Dan Zampano of the Sunday Card Podcast. Good morning, Dan. How are you? Gene, I am doing well. We have gone from uh, Virginia to Boca Raton, Florida, and now in Utica, New York. So you can't get any (laughs) more traveled and any more worse traveled at the worst time of the year than right now. But the thing that remains constant, Gene, is no matter where you go, football is king. The playoffs are coming, both in college and the pros. And it's a great time to to watch football because the parody, and maybe the bad football, yes, but the parody is alive and well, and we really have no idea what's going to happen. It's a very exciting time. You know, when uh, the NFL expanded the playoffs, I mean, they, they wanted to try to keep more fan bases involved you know, and, and well, they've certainly done that, but you can make the argument, yes, yes, they've kept more teams or, or, or more fans involved, but they've also opened the door to some really bad teams having a chance to make the playoffs. That's the one thing that, that is concerning is I think the seven team, whoever's number seven is, and it really isn't even number seven in the NFC in particular, it's whoever wins the South. Right. But it <laughs> is, it, it's, it is a, uh, it definitely has brought in maybe, I don't know about a meaningless game. I mean, if you look at last year, the seven-team, I believe it was the Raiders, and they played a close game, but you could argue that the Patriots really didn't belong in, in the playoffs last year after they got blasted. Um, you could look at you know this year and say, 
that last team in the AFC, whoever it is, probably doesn't belong in the playoffs more than likely. Um, so, and then obviously in the NFC South. So it is interesting how the league has gotten through, but guess what, Gene? We're all going to watch Super Wild Card Week. Oh, no again. question, no question. And it's going to be and it's going to be fantastic. You get three games on Saturday, three games on Sunday, or I'm sorry, two games on Sunday and a game on Monday. So that they have they have killed it in that department, and it makes for Week 18 and and Week 17 to be even more exciting and dramatic. Well, let's get to uh, before we get to some of the stuff from last week. We might as well get to last night's game and uh, look, um, not exactly. Uh, the most scintillating game in the world is the Cowboys beat Tennessee 27-13. Really, I mean, when you think about it, the, uh, Tennessee was starting their third-string quarterback. Josh Dobbs gets the, gets the start last night. Um, but is there – am I wrong in saying that the Cowboys may be the most underwhelming 11-4 and football team ever? Yeah, I think you're very, very close. (laughs) I mean, the fact that this team now has 12 wins, okay, and that the last few weeks, if you go down the line and look, they played Josh Dobbs, right, struggled to beat him. Yep. Played Gardner Minshew, gave up 34 points, gave up almost 400 yards on defense. The week before you played Houston and get taken right to the wire against a bad football team like that. And people want to blame Dak, and sure, you probably could blame Dak in a lot of respects considering the fact that the man missed five games and leads the league in interceptions. Right. That's pretty bad. <laughs> That's bad. So um, um, you, you could blame some I blame their defense. I mean, can you say, can you name a more underwhelming? I mean, I can, and it's probably in Minnesota. Right. But I would say Dallas, for all the talent that they have defensively, has been the most inept. They cannot cover anybody. Right. They can't cover receivers. The only reason that they stick around is because number eleven pressures the pressures the quarterback. Right. I mean Parsons is unbelievable. He changes the game, but really he's the only factor on the defense. Nobody else makes an impact on that defense of side. And to have it happen, look, last night you could pretty much chalk up to a preseason game. Kinda, yeah. I mean, yeah. The game didn't. The game didn't mean anything to Tennessee. They know that next week, no matter what happens this week, they got Jacksonville next week for the division. So you know they started Josh Dobbs because guess what, Malik Willis really wasn't working out, right? And they need Josh Dobbs to get some reps right for next week. Um, they didn't have Derrick Henry. They didn't have Jeffrey Simmons, their best defensive tackle. Uh, they didn't have two starting linebackers. They didn't have a starting safety. They basically sat everybody, and then you know. They look. Like, look, we're playing for next week. It was smart. Dallas sat a lot of their guys, Tony Pollard, Leighton Van Der Esch, other guys like that. Right. So you know, I mean, I don't know what you can take out of out of last night and the fact that really Dallas probably should have put it more on Tennessee. And really, Dallas did control the game for mm-hmm. the most part. Mm-hmm. It just didn't seem like they dominated. Tennessee lost this game a lot of the reason because a the players that were playing, but b they had ten penalties. Right. They killed themselves. They shot themselves in the foot so many times. So. Is it more to do with Dallas in another bad win, I guess you would say? And I, I hate saying bad win because any win is, is a win. Right. But unimpressive win, sure. I, I could go with that narrative, sure. Um, all right. Uh, so let's get to last week's. And let, let's start. We might as well start because we always do. We'll start with the Patriot game. And <laughs> I, I have to be honest with you. I mean, this game was closer than I thought it was going to be. 
if that makes any sense. I mean, look, the Patriots put on a, you know, it's almost like Cincinnati just offensively just kind of shut it down at halftime. So I don't know whether it was all of a sudden the Patriot defense figured things out or what, but I mean, the Patriots actually had a chance to win this game, which is shocking to me. Gene, do not be fooled. <laughs> I'm not. I, I'm not. Do not. Do not be fooled. This was ineptitude offensively in the highest order. In the highest order. And this one is all on the coaches here. What? And, the, and, oh, well, and the surrounding cast of Mac it, But isn't that the, the that's surrounding been, cast of Mac Jones. Yeah, but that's been the same story all year. Ineptitude and the coaching staff. I mean, that's like, you know, it's just rinse and repeat. And nothing changes. No. I mean, nothing changes. It's the same thing every week, and people want to start chanting for Bailey Zappi. When they look out there, It's people that chant for Bailey Zappi out there ought to be ashamed of themselves. They should move out of the area <laughs> because it's totally ridiculous. They know nothing about football. Right. Mac is sitting back there, first up, with a backup to the backup of a right tackle. Right. Okay. The offensive line has been horrendous. The receivers are running into other receivers <laughs> on on critical third downs. Right. Three or four times you saw it. Receivers were in the same spot and it caused two injuries on the field to both your tight ends, who by the way, you're paying twenty four million dollars to. <laughs> okay? Yeah. I mean, it is a joke. It's a joke, Gene. How they get back in that game? Joe Burrow made yes, he made one mistake. Right. He threw, he threw that interception to Marcus Jones, and Marcus Jones has been outstanding. And he made an unbelievable pick six there. Great, awesome, good for you. Rest of the game, he was on T. Higgins, who is eight inches taller than him. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Who decided on that matchup? Right. All right. Then it takes a miracle, hail mary, tipped pass. Right. For them to score a touchdown on offense. And after all that, and they still had a chance to win and go into the end zone, they can't get four yards without fumbling the ball at the four yards. It's a comical. It is the three stooges out there. <laughs> Patricia, Belichick, and all the rest of the boarding cast. I mean, it really is. I mean, and they finally, I saw some good things. Like I saw the fact that they finally decided to put Kendrick Bourne in the game after 16 weeks. Yeah, about that. And yeah. he's their best athletic player on offense. Right. Wow! It's a miracle. Uh, Matt Judon had a decent game. Mac Jones played well. He had nobody open and nobody running the routes on time. This whole wide receiver core, I think probably outside of Bourne, needs to be overhauled. It's it's so frustrating. It is so frustrating every week to see that they, they got a chance, they got a chance, and it's all false flag. And honestly, I love the Patriots. I hope that I, I, I root for them to win every week. If they win these next two games, it is completely useless. Well, and but it is completely useless. That was actually going to be my question. I mean, it almost wouldn't it be better if they just lost the last couple of games and get a better draft position? I mean, they will never say that. Right. right. But oh, no. and obviously, obviously, that's true. Like they they will want to go and win. I think winning is the most important thing. But in reality, in reality, how organizations look at things is, okay, we are now at seven wins. We have a chance to get to the playoffs. We can beat Miami, and then we would have to go to Buffalo in a game where we know that we probably can't win currently with the roster that we have. Right. Um, 
unless there's a hurricane. So Or Buffalo doesn't play everybody. I don't know. Right. I don't know what you want me to do about this game here because, A, why would Buffalo sit their starters if they win this week and Kansas City wins this week? Right. They, they, they need Buffalo it. Buffalo wants right. to go to Kansas City? No, no. I mean, no. No. So, you know, to me it's like, well, at the end of the day, it's probably going to be Buffalo playing Ooh. their starters. Right, right. So, yeah. I mean, at this point, if you look at the organization, honestly, if the Patriots go to the playoffs and you get to watch that offense operate in the playoffs, <laughs> and by the way, would go play Buffalo right for the second week in a row. Right. Yeah. I mean, do you really want to watch that? Do you really want I to don't. get embarrassed again? No. And – do you really want to give Bill Belichick some sort of justification to not change things? Oh, hell no. We made the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, hell no. Yeah. We made the playoffs. And that, in his mind, is that something he's like, look, we just didn't execute it right. These guys are in their first year. Give them a second chance. No. Uh, I- no. There is no second chance for a defensive coordinator and a special teams coach to run the offense. No, it's not going to happen. I'm fully convinced that the conversation that will happen between Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick, whether they make the playoffs or not, the conversation that will happen after the final snap of the last game of the season will be, these guys are gone or you're gone too. I mean, don't you? Don't you think that's what Robert Kraft is going to say? You get rid of these guys, or I'm going to get rid of you as well, and we'll make wholesale changes. I mean, I, I can't believe. I mean, I know you say, you know, like, look, they, those two guys have obviously have a great relationship, and they're, you know, Bill is very well respected. But at some point, when you've wa- when you've watched this for 15 weeks now, or 17, whatever the hell it is, you know, if you're Robert Kraft, you got to be. You don't have to. You could. You could be Helen Keller and figure out what's going on out there. By the way, do you get do you know who Helen Keller is? Yes, yes, I, I have I, many friends that believe that's a whole conspiracy theory. But uh, I, I, I just let's not let, let's not but go there. That, that's another story. <laughs> yeah, that's another okay. story. <laughs> but I, I understand your point. No, I see your point. Here's what I think, Gene. Honestly, yep. it's not so much the offensive play calling and how that Patricia and Judge like really can't do it. It's the fact that the fundamentals of the team have suffered. Because Patricia can't focus on the offensive line. The wide receivers coach, Troy Brown, can't focus on the wide receivers because he's worried. Are the wide receivers worried about the timing routes because they have to consistently work on fundamentals of actually how to run these things and right. they don't seem to be getting through. And that's my issue. Right. And I think if they had a real offensive coordinator that knew how to do it, i.e. Bill O'Brien, and I know that name cringes a lot of people, but guess what? He is a real offensive coordinator. Right. And it, what it sounds like to me, Gene, is that as soon as that game is over against Kansas State in the Sugar Bowl, sounds like that's the guy. Right. It sounds To me, all the rumblings of what it seems like it is, is that Bill O'Brien's already going to be the Patriots offensive coordinator next year. Even though Bill... That's what it sounds like. And even though Bill O'Brien has said, well, I'm not allowed... You know, Bill, you know, Nick Saban won't let us talk to anybody during the season. Yeah, and he won't. And Bill O'Brien's not that kind of guy. Bill O'Brien would not want to talk to anybody during the season. I'm sure he's got phone calls, and he will not address it because, you know, Bill Belichick and Nick Saban are good friends, and they're not going to step on each other's toes and this, that, and the other. But as soon as that game hits triple zeros, there's going to be a letter in in blue, red, and white saying, 
um, here's your invitation to come to the party. We need help. Right. So, you know, I mean, I, I think that's probably where we're heading the off season. It is a fascinating time to be a Patriots fan, especially if they lose the last two games. They will have another top 15 pick, maybe even a top 10, depending on how things shake out. And, you know, maybe, just maybe, you look at next year and, and find that you might be able to supplement an offensive tackle, get a wide receiver, get somebody in there, a corner, definitely a corner, after what we're seeing this week with the injuries. Uh, that would be the goal. So we'll see. And you just used the word fascinating time to be a Patriots fan. I'm not sure that that's a word that many Patriot fans <laughs> would use right now. Fascinating. Uh, I think it would be. I think that no, most Patriots fans wouldn't use that word, but I use that word in particular because now we get to see how they can rebuild a team without Brady and, and, and face adversity because they did it in 2020, but they didn't really have a plan. Yeah. Now they have a plan at quarterback. And now how do they build around that quarterback? And do they give that quarterback a chance? Because I do think that that Mac Jones deserves it. He does deserve it. I agree. He's a good, solid quarterback. I agree. Can they build around him? Yeah, that's a question. Um, let's, uh, let's keep it kind of in the Patriots' sphere a little bit, and let's go out to Las Vegas. And after the, Ra- huh. after the Raiders lose last week in a just, ugh, ugh kind of game, they now have benched Derek Carr, who has left the team. Jarrett Stidham getting the start for the Raiders this week. Uh, that has become as uh, almost as big a soap opera as it was when John Gruden was there. Yeah, and I think if you remember, there was a lot of talk about Gruden and whether he was going to have the – quarterback changed right you know and that was a big talk about when when that happened and Gruden really didn't have the stomach for it is what it sounds like I think McDaniels looked at it and said I'm gonna give you one year and if you could it's a prove it year for you I'm giving you Adams giving you your old college teammate I'll, I'll give you you know I got you got Waller you got Renfro you should be able to operate this and he didn't right I mean I, I watched Eric Carr against the Pats and I've watched him a couple times this year. He's, he was terrible. I mean, he was flat-out terrible at missing wide-open touchdowns. Yep. I mean, it, it was really bad, and he's fallen from grace. And I think finally it's now the time. I think it's now the time. I, he's a good person. He's been good for the Raiders and, and good to the Raiders. But I think somebody – at the end of the day, you got to win games. I heard a stat this week, Gene. Derek Carr has a worse record as a quarterback – then Archie Manning did with the Saints. And the Saints were hideous I mean, back then. Whew. And they were horrible oh, back then. Wow. So, I mean, he's been to, what, one playoff game? He didn't start one, and then yeah. and then he finally got to one last year. Uh, it's time. I mean, you, you can't just sit around and wait. I mean, he's been there for since, what, 2015? Right. And look, you know, I mean, and, and he's done some good things. You know, I mean, he has played some good games in his career, but I kind of liken what's happened to him this year. It's almost like he and Russell Wilson are like twins. I mean, two, talk about two guys that have fallen from grace. I mean, it's like they fell off of Mount Everest. Yeah, I mean, Carr definitely wasn't as bad as Russell Wilson this year, but he you're right. I mean, he definitely fell off the face of the earth here. And, you know, you're kind of liking his career now to like a Ryan Tannehill. Right. Where, 
you know, he's he gets maybe stays in the place he was drafted a little too long, and right. you know somebody might have to revitalize his career. Jets, and maybe he will. I Jets, mean, uh, it, yeah, there you go. <laughs> maybe the Jets. Maybe that's what it is. I mean, uh, good luck with that situation. Right, right. But I would I would say this. I do think somebody will probably use him as kind of the placeholder. Okay. For the next quarterback next year, Jets. if if somebody wants him. <laughs> Jets, you know, somebody like that. Right, right. So, you know, I, I do think his time in Vegas is done, though. I think McDaniels knows it's like we, we need to get somebody in here that, that's elite, and I need my own quarterback that I can marry with myself that I want. And there's guys out there in the draft that he can get. Right, So, right. you know, I, I, I'm excited for McDaniels. I think that team has got is going to go places next year if they get the right quarterback in place. We're going to talk uh, some some college football in a minute, but I want to get your take. Uh, one of the, you know, you read a lot of stuff on the, the quarterbacks coming out and the number one name that has been uh, that has been uh, talked about a lot is Will Levis. And uh, ah. Will Levis is a guy I'm very familiar with and ma- matter of fact so are you. We watched yeah. him play at Xavier High School in Middletown, Connecticut. Um, do, do you, I mean, I, you know, I've watched him. I don't know. Do, do you project him? Can you see him as being a, 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 an elite quarterback in the NFL? You know, Will Levis proved me wrong more than anybody, because when I saw him at Xavier, I said, Penn State, really? I yeah. mean, I, 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 would, me too. I, I thought he was a good player, <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. I never really thought, you know, is he really that good to play in the Big Ten? Agreed. He played and he did okay. Yep, yep. But when he went to Kentucky, man, I mean, Mark Stoops did a hell of a job. A hell of a job. I know that he, he changed quarterback coaches and trainers and stuff like that, and he changed his arm angle, and he got he, he committed. The one thing about Levis is that he's a really hard worker, and he's committed, and he's an athlete. Right. You know, he is so much bigger now than he used he was, to be yeah. when I remember him. Yep. And, and uh, you know, I, I think that he has the mentality to do it. Okay. And that's the first thing you need. You know, more importantly than the talent, you got all the talent in the world. You don't have the mentality. I mean, look at Jalen Hurts. I mean, Jalen Hurts wasn't, like, super talented coming out, but his mentality is unbelievable, and now right. he's gotten better. I think that Levis has all the size and intangibles. I think he definitely needs to, you know, he played in the SEC, so right. I think that he, he played against good competition, and I think he has the mental makeup. My question is, does he have the talent? And do you, do you does he have the talent to get there? Do you think he's the number one quarterback coming out? No, no, absolutely not. I think Bryce Young by I, far and away. That's what I Bryce thought. Young by right, far and away. That's what I thought. But yeah. you know, but I've seen I've seen Levis's name on the top of a lot of people's lists, and I was like, boy, yeah. I don't know. I thought I thought I I. Like Young, a heck of a lot better. Uh, staying on the, I love Bryce Young. Uh, staying on the quarterback thing, uh, and I know he was injured and, came, and you know just came back last week. What's your take on on Kenny Pickett being a franchise quarterback for the Steelers? Do you think this is the guy that can lead that team long term? Absolutely, absolutely. I think I think that Kenny Pickett uh, is only going to get better. I, I think that he has proven that he is extremely. Um, not just smart, but he's willing to throw the ball down the field. Right. You know, you could see you could see that in him that he's willing to take those shots and those chances. He is kind of like he's kind of innocently fearless. Right. I think you would say. And, and now he's got Pickens, so they've really matched him up with that receiver. He's like also got Deontay Johnson. He's got Claypool. He's got oh Claypool's gone, but they they got Fryermuth, the tight end. I mean, they have a lot of good weapons. He's got a good running back. If the Steelers can find a way to fix their offensive line, they're set. Right. I mean, Kenny Pickett has proven he's the guy going forward. I okay. don't think 
there's a debate. Now, is he going to have limitations? Sure. Is he the best operator inside the pocket? I don't know. Right. Uh, I'd like to see how well he does. I mean, they didn't play well against the Raiders, but he did it in the fourth quarter on crunch time and got it done in cold weather situation. You know, you obviously worry about that with, with Pickett and, you know, some of his intangibles aren't huge. He's not the biggest quarterback in the world. Right. Uh, but, you know, I think, again, that's another guy that you're going to have to see him take another leap next year, kind of in the Mac Jones category. Like, can we see him take He had a decent year, best of the rookie quarterbacks. Can he take the second leap, second year jump? That's what I want to see from him. If he takes that jump, I think we're, we're set. But I, I, I'm promising. I look at him as very Mac Jones-esque. That's why I look at him. Uh, the team that is right now would be the number two seed in the NFC and perhaps the luckiest team in the history of teams, the Minnesota Vikings, <laughs> pull another game out of their keisters last week with a big fourth quarter. I mean, Dan, when when does the horseshoe break? I mean, they just seem to find ways every week to be trailing in games and come back and win the damn thing at the end. I don't know. I mean, it's they, unreal. They, uh, I mean, how that guy O'Connell hasn't bought a lottery ticket yet. <laughs> is me. I mean, it's it's incredible. Yeah, Gene, they just broke the record for most one score wins. Right, they have eleven get wins right. by one score. Right. Uh, the guys at Football Outsiders, the nerds, they do this metric on expected wins. Right. Every single team in the league that has ten wins has at least 10 expected wins by their metric. The only team in the league that does not the Vikings. is the Minnesota Vikings. Really? They have six, six wins wow. by their metric. Wow. It's unbelievable <laughs> what they've been able to do. 33 nothing comebacks. Yep. Comebacks in the fourth quarter. Fumbles at the one-yard line from Buffalo. Right. But, Gene, if you look at it, I mean, what good team have they beaten? They got crushed by Philly. Right. They got crushed by the Cowboys. They got crushed by Detroit, even though they beat them. I mean, it took an absolute miracle for them to beat Buffalo. Right. I mean, I'm not looking at that team and saying, I mean, Green Bay, you saying Green Bay, are they a good team? I don't know. And we'll find out. I mean, they're coming up the pike again. Right. Here they come. So, you know, I don't know. I, I just, it's a nice story. And honestly, I hope to God they go because they're fun. They're right. really fun. I agree. To watch. Yeah, I agree. But. I don't. I don't think it's sustainable, and I think that they're prime for a first round upset if, if whoever gets them. Uh, the team that was the hottest team in football got whacked last week, and uh, you called this. By the way, you you thought this was going to happen, and Carolina really took it to uh, the Detroit Lions last week. Was this just a case of the Lions just kind of running out of gas? Yeah, it's kind of sad that the Lions weren't able to kind of respond. They got just punched right in the mouth yeah, right they did. at the beginning of the game. Yep. Carolina just ran the ball all over them, and that's been their strategy. I mean, Carolina, Wilkes over there, the interim, he has instilled a toughness in them that Matt Rule really never did. And I think Matt Rule is a, co- is a good coach, uh, but he just never got that team to play tough offensively. Yeah. And I think that when the rubber meets the road, they have a good defense. They just needed to be able to find an identity offensively, and their identity now is running the football and pounding it and letting Donald kind of just dink and dunk his way 
down the field. They have good receivers. They got DJ Moore. They got they got other young young talented receivers. I think I think this Carolina team is starting to find themselves, and now they get Tampa this week for the division. Really, I mean, right? The Carolina Panthers might be able to win the division. I mean, can you imagine that? We're, where we started with Baker Mayfield and, and P.J. Walker, and now Mayfield's in L.A., and Sam Darnold is leading them now uh-huh. to the playoffs. I mean, what a story that would be, where Carolina would sneak in and get a home playoff game. That would be incredible. Well, you know, here's the, you know, the thing that shocked me. You saw a number in this game last week that you don't see in pro football very often. You see it in college all the time. Carolina ran for 320 yards. 320. You don't see that in the NFL. No. I mean. No, you don't. No, you don't. I mean, what Foreman and Hubbard did last week, I mean, it was a clinic. It really was. I mean, mean, it's not just them. You got to give the line a lot of credit, obviously. But, man, that's just, those are sick numbers. Oh, it's unbelievable. And they just said, we're just not, we're just going to keep pounding it. They did a great job, too, of just running the clock out. Right. I mean, in the second half, they just, and, and that is a rare trait these days because a lot of teams do not know how to do that. But they did a great job of just running the clock out in the fourth quarter. They let the Lions got theirs in the, in, in the second half. They, of course, you know, they're, they're a great offense. Right. But, you know, I mean, Carolina, man, if you play them, that's a tough team. And they're going to barrel down on you and, and lean on you and lean on you and lean on you until you break. And if you do, I mean, look out. I mean, Carolina could be uh, an interesting team. I think Detroit still has a chance. I think Detroit, if they can, if they can right the ship this week, they're going to be a dangerous team because their defense is playing better. Carolina might have found the secret sauce to, to, to exploit them, though. And and also, I mean, they stopped their offense for the most part in the first half. So right, odd that we're talking about these two teams so much in the, this late in the season. <laughs> I but, know it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy. The NFL is crazy this year. Um, and a team that has resurrected themselves. And uh, you you mentioned them earlier. I mean, are the Green Bay Packers for real? Can they can they finish this? Can they make this run and and win out and get themselves into the playoffs? It seemed it seemed impossible a few weeks ago. You know, I don't know. I'm not sure what to make of them because I still don't think their defense is very good. Right. I think that they have been they have somewhat benefited from their schedule. I think. Now, last week, I mean, once two got hit. Uh, he clearly had a concussion, and he was just lost. Yeah, I mean, yep. he he just kept on pick after pick. He threw three straight. The last three possessions they had of the game, he threw interceptions. Yep. I mean, it's, it's horrible. Yep. So credit them for getting that done. I mean, that's a big win that they got. They beat Miami. They went in and got it done. The week before, you're beating the Rams. You know, they – but, you know, to, for them to beat a team, even like the Rams, I mean – they that was a big deal for them because right. they needed to get they needed to get the running game going. Christian Watson has still been really good. You know, I think he's going to be a really good player in the league. And you know, it kind of keeps Rodgers engaged to say, "Okay, now I can play the underdog role and you're not going to like it when I do." You know, I mean, <laughs> he hasn't been he hasn't been great this year, but 
he certainly, you know, has, you know, when the playoffs matter, it gets competitive. He turns it on. And now, just look out. I mean, that could be a weird team that you never know what can happen. They finally found some special teams help with the with this return kid that, that's doing really well. I mean, they're playing all three phases pretty decently, but I don't know if I trust their defense yet. Am I wrong in saying that unless you're a Green Bay Packers fan, Aaron Rodgers has actually become one of the most disliked guys in the league? Uh, am I no? Am I wrong? I've always I've always liked him. I've always liked him, and I get why people don't like him because he is off the beaten path, and he is kind of a beat to his own drum kind of guy, and looks very arrogant and what have you. Um, but yeah, I can see it. Sure, <laughs> he seems like a guy that just doesn't care. Yeah. about what people think of what the organization thinks about what it says. He knows he's that good. Yep. He's kind of that guy that knows he's that good Yeah, and wants it a little bit. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I can see that. Um, and last thing, I mean, uh, before we get to this week's games, um, look, the hype aside of the, that we heard from about Tua all season, um, this guy maybe shouldn't be playing football anymore. You think? I mean, how many? I mean, how many times? Like, I mean, he, I mean, right now it looks like if you sneeze on him, he's going to get a concussion. Nobody has been exploited more than Tua. Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. And that's from two two standpoints. One is the political garbage that goes on that says he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Right. And I don't even want to go right. there because We've that's done that not his fault. Right. That's not his fault. Two is the idea that this this team allowed him to play with the injuries that he has. Right. I mean, it's just not. It's 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 sick. It's sick what that organization does. Uh, it's part of the reason why I don't like them. And you know, it, it it's it's sad that you got to take everything about Tua is justifying the pick of Tua. Right. It's not about winning. You know, it's about justifying the decisions we make for the team because we know best. You know, and and then justifying the decisions for Tua to play. And not protecting him, right? Because we know best. I mean, that's the thing that I don't like about Miami's organization, right? And you know, we could talk about Tua and 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 the whole MVP conversation and the whole brigade and everything. We could talk about that to the cows come home. But what's more important, honestly, is Tua as a person. I tried not to be, you know, get personal with it, right? But <laughs> you know, I would say, I would say that. It's the people around Tua that that are more the issue than Tua is himself. Tua hasn't been a great football player, but Tua has not been benefited by the organization that he's in by no, at all. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Uh, all right, let's get to this week's games. Um, and uh, let's start with uh, with those Patriots. They're going to play a Miami team that will not have their starting quarterback. Well, the Patriots are a two and a half point favorite at home in this one. Um, you know, I mean, I guess the the circumstances are ripe for them to win this game, but you still have to cover those two receivers. And and who are they? Who are they throwing out there, Gene? I mean, Jalen Mills is hurt. Right. Jack Jones is hurt. Right. Marcus Jones is hurt. Yeah. I heard Jonathan you. Jones is kind of hurt. I heard you're playing free safety this week. 
Oh my gosh! They got the kids <laughs> off the uh, off the practice squad. Yeah, uh, Mosley and Hayes, right. these kids that nobody's ever heard of. Right. Sounds like an old R and B soul group from the 1970s. <laughs> I mean, I, what do I? I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. Right. So how are you covering those guys? Right. And I get it. It's Teddy Bridgewater. You know, not the best quarterback, but not a terrible quarterback. I mean, he's been a starter in the league. Right. It's not like somebody um, doesn't know what he's doing. This, this has to be Patriots on offense. They have to get something done. They have to be able to run the football on Miami. Good luck. Because that's what Miami's really going to do this week. Miami's going to more run the football than anything. Okay. You know, and Miami's been good at it. Miami's been really good at it. Yeah. So can the Patriots stop the run? I think this is a really tight game. Both two teams really sliding. I don't know. I, I, I just think at this point the Patriots really had them on the ropes. In that first week, they just made so many mistakes on offense. I, I, I think the Patriots somehow, some way, figure out a way to win. I, I don't know how. If Tua <laughs> was playing in this game, I 100% would have picked the Dolphins. Okay. Well, absolutely. But the fact that he's not playing, I think that people have found the formula. Now, again, I am super concerned for the Patriots in the secondary, but I think as a team, they can play defense well enough to win the game. Okay. All right. Um, let's go to – I can't believe we're, I'm actually having you pick this game this late in the season. But uh, let's go to Detroit. Detroit took one on the chin last week. They've still got a chance to make the playoffs. Uh, they are at home against the Chicago Bears. They are a six-point favorite. They cannot afford to lose another game if they want to make the playoffs. I mean, I fear for the Bears that the Detroit could put up 50 points in this game. Really? I, re- I really do. I mean, they're going to be finally back at home against a Bears defense. That is horrific. Horrific. Um, however, Justin Fields can also put up huge numbers in this game because Detroit's rush defense stinks. Right. <laughs> so I don't know what to do here. <laughs> this is a really, really tough game. I just think Chicago's defense lets them down. That's all I think. Okay. You know, I, I just don't think that they can handle Detroit. Detroit's such a firepower type of team on offense. It's, it might be it might be fifty two to forty five. Well, I was, I was, those games, I was going to say the over under is fifty two and a half. You're probably taking the over. Yeah, take, uh, the Lions might get there by themselves. Honestly, <laughs> so uh, I'll I'll take uh, I'll take the Lions. I'm not going to have you pick this game, but I was just before we get to the next. One, I just got to ask you: How is Kansas City only a two and a half point favorite against Denver at home? I think you're misreading that. It must be a misprint because they're twelve and a half point favorite. Ah, that's what. It, okay, so we can blame the Hartford Current where I got the odds. Okay, that makes yes. okay. Well then, yes. okay. Moving on, <laughs> moving on. Uh, the Tampa Bay Brady's at home against the red hot Carolina Panthers. Uh, my, I guess they would be considered my hometown team now that I live in North Carolina, not that I root for them, but, uh, Tampa is a three point favorite at home. This is tough. Mm-hmm. This is tough. Cause I like the way Carolina's playing and I hate the way Tampa's playing. I mean, the fact that they needed to overtime to be trace McSorley <laughs> and the Cardinals. Right. I mean, are you kidding me? I, it, yep. It's bad out there. Yep. But, like I say every week, you got to take care of the big guy in the back, and they may have the best one that's ever played. In fact, they do have the best one that's ever played. They're playing good enough defense. 
I think if they can get Leonard Fournette and Rashad White involved in the game, I think that they can win it. Um, it's going to be tough to run on Tampa. Okay. That, that, that's what I'll say for Carolina. It'll be tough for them to run on it. They can exploit Darnold. They know him. I'll take Tampa close, real close. I'm not touching that that game if you're if you're looking to you know sprinkle a little anything on it. I don't want to even touch it. <laughs> um, I was going to have you pick this one, but I'm not going to. I was going, but I'm going to stay away from this one. I, I had the Washington game because it's just going to be a brutal game. I think. Um, Washington by a million. Yeah, I just I'm surprised. Are you surprised that they're making the quarterback change there? I mean, they have to. I mean, Heineke just wasn't working. It's yeah. not working anymore. Okay. You know, he's, he's been, I mean, Wentz, give Wentz something here. Right. In December, outside of last year, at the end of the year, he's typically pretty good. Right. So we'll see. Another team whose, uh, whose playoff chances are on life support. Uh, the New York Jets go on the road to Seattle. The Jets are a point-and-a-half favorite on the road. You know, I, I think both of these teams are sliding hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're both really sliding hard. But the toughest ribs in the game, Mike White, is back for the Jets. <laughs> uh, the savior. And the Jets have – yeah, the savior. And the Jets have the best unit on the field, their defense. Okay. I mean, their defense is really, really good. So I'll take the Jets to win the game on the road uh, and have a shot to make the playoffs next week. I mean, that would be awesome for them. And they're going to play Miami next week. So who knows if Miami wins this game against – Against New England, um, you know, maybe you throw the Jets in Miami up on Sunday Night Football. Who knows? All right. Well, here's uh, here's an interesting game. Two teams playing in their home stadium together, the Chargers and the Rams. Ah. The Chargers, um, with a win, they're in the playoffs. The Rams just put up 50 points last week. Uh, Chargers are a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Did the Chargers not clinch a playoff spot? I, I thought that they I didn't, had. I so, didn't. I mean, they no, I, they have not. According to the standings, they have not clinched a playoff spot yet. Well, I, I just had thought that they had. But I thought they had they too. Haven't. But there's no uh, X. There's no X next to their name. No, I don't think they have because Miami is still alive. Um, uh, and if they they lost out, I mean, Jacksonville, Tennessee could tie them as well. So no, they haven't yet. But they will if they win this week. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, because I was in the impression that they did, so I, I actually was going to pick the Rams because I, I thought the Rams, you know, they've been playing really good. Uh, I think they're getting back to what they do best, and that's running the football and setting up play action for Baker Mayfield. That's the best thing that they can do for them. Um, and their defense is playing better. So I'll take the Rams here. Uh, okay. I think I do think the Chargers, even though the Chargers, if they do have to win this game to make the playoffs, look, I also think this is a coaching mismatch. Big time. Oh, always. I mean, well, today, it, I it think always he's is going to run circles on Staley. Yeah, but it always is, no matter it's who Staley coaches against. I know, and look, the Chargers. The Chargers get. Uh, who did the Chargers get next week? Raiders. They get the Raiders. Yeah, Raiders. Week? Yeah, I think so. Um, so, so I mean, uh, I just lost power. Did we lose? I lost power. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, uh, but uh, we're but we're back. Uh, uh, that was really weird. Are we live? Still? Uh, we are. Uh, we are still alive. Yeah, that was weird. We lost power here in the studio, but uh, fortunately, the the uh, everything else is on battery, so we're still good. Uh, okay. Well, so I'm taking the Rams. <laughs> all right. Excellent. All right. Um, now the now the game. This might be the game of the week. The Minnesota Vikings at the Green Bay Packers, and the Packers are a three point favorite at home against the Horseshoe Team. 
Oh, gosh, this is the hardest one of all. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I really the, – the Packers really should be the pick here. Right. Really, they should. I think they're the better team right now. Okay. However, Minnesota is such a weird team and <laughs> how they win games Yep. that I don't know. Like It's really, really hard to see, but I will put my face in the bad man. I'll put my face <laughs> in the bad man and Aaron Rodgers and, and, and see he gets it done because I think he's on a roll right now, and he's playing that underdog role, and it's the Vikings going up against a good team. Right. And I'm not so sure that they're going to – I, 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 again, we should say good team with a grain of salt. A hot team. Right. They're going up against a hot team. And I think that they can get that done. I'll take the Packers. Do, do the Vikings have the second best wide receiver tandem in football with Jefferson and Hawkinson? Along with, you know, am I assuming that with the. Thielen? the yeah. And Thielen as well. Assuming, yeah. you know, I mean, along with, you know, the guys in Miami. Are, is that the best receiving core outside of those two guys in Miami? Oh, I, I think I, no. I think I think uh, that's a hard question. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think Miami probably has the duo better. Yep. I think Jefferson is the best player in football. Okay. Best receiver in football, rather. Okay. So, uh, and Hill's the most the, the best weapon in football. Okay. So that's that's you're cutting hair. You're you're you're, you're splitting hairs on those two receiving cores. Gene, I'm surprised you didn't ask me about the Monday night game. Well, no, we're going to. That's, that's the that's the, the game of the that's week. that's the last one. Hang on, I I like, but I like the. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I, I, I like the Minnesota. No, who did you pick again? <laughs> uh, the Green Bay. Oh, good. Okay. That's right. The bad man. I forgot. Um, I was I was already forming my next question, and I just didn't pay any attention. All right. So you think this is the game of the week, and it may be. Uh, Buffalo is on the road at Cincinnati. Buffalo is a point and a half favorite on the road. Well, I would say this, Gene. I think the other hottest team in the league is Cincinnati. Cincinnati, yep. They've won seven seven in a row. And really, they've been hot since last December. Right. I mean, I mean, it's been ridiculous what they've been able to do. Um, the public loves them. Think about it. I mean, they went on a crazy run for a month and a half right. last year. And then we all thought there's no way that, that Cincinnati can get back to where they were because the, the league is going to get better. Right. And it was kind of a miracle run. And now they look like they're going to win the division. And maybe if they win this game, they can get the number one seed. Right. So, you know, that would be something. Because they beat Kansas City. Right. And if they beat Buffalo and they win next week against the Ravens, they're the number one seed in the, in the AFC. So, you know, they've been extremely hot. But I think that the I look at it as a wave. Cincinnati right now has been just the wave is cresting and it's still cresting and cresting and it's starting to come down. And I think Buffalo, their wave is starting to form. Right. And I think it's coming. Buffalo had their low in the middle of the year. And now I think that they're winning in tough, brutal ways. And, but they're winning and they're more talented than almost every team in the league. I'll take Buffalo to win this game in a sloppy, low scoring game with defense because I think that Cincinnati offensive line issues, <laughs> excuse me, injuries on that offensive line. I think, I think the clock has to strike midnight at some point for, for Cincinnati. I think they need a loss here. So I'm going to take Buffalo to win this game. They'll have a chance to get the one seed next week. All right, let's get to, uh, before we get out of here, let's uh, get your take on the uh, college football playoffs. 
um, and and where you think. Uh, well, let's start off with uh, with Georgia and Ohio State. Georgia's a six and a half point favorite in this one. Uh, I think this is a blowout. I think so too. <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think Ohio State has any chance in this game. Okay, none. Yeah, I don't think so. No, I mean, they just they don't play with any heart, and they snuck into the playoff. I mean, Georgia is so much far and away better. They're so deep that now their offense is clicking. Now they put up fifty points on LSU. Right. I mean, I, I think they roll Ohio State. Roll them. And uh, Michigan is a seven. <laughs> Michigan's a seven and a half point favorite over TCU. Um, I think Michigan. You know I, I think I think Michigan could be in trouble here. I could be wrong. I like TCU. I, I, I think that this game could be close. Yeah. I, you like TCU to win the game. I, well, I no. I, I like TCU with the points. Is what I like. Because mm-hmm. I I I, I kind of feel the same. Yeah, way. I could see this being less than a touchdown. Because I think TCU is tough. Now their defense is not very good. Right. Right. But I could see this game being tied in the fourth quarter, and Michigan's offensive line just just is too much for for TCU. I I, I think that that's what Michigan wants to do. Is Michigan wants to lean on you. With their with their beef, right? You know, they're like a great heavyweight championship boxer, right? You know, the boxer that knows that he's bigger than the other guy. He doesn't want to. <laughs> he doesn't want to beat you with punches, right? Right. He doesn't want to beat you with punches. He'll hit you. He just wants to lean on you and lean on you and lean on you and get you wrapped up. And that's what he wants to do. And that's how Michigan will win this game. Okay. And then... I really believe that. I actually think Michigan is needing more to win this game than whoever it is next, because I think they'll be incredibly motivated to play Ohio State, obviously, and incredibly motivated to play Georgia. But this is the game that they need to get over the hump. If they can win this game, I think they have a great chance to win the national championship. Really? You think they could beat Georgia? Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Okay. I definitely think they can. Well, that's why I got you around, buddy. Dan Zapano here on Sports Country Radio. My friend, enjoy your time up in Utica, New York. Have a great new year, and uh, we will look forward to our first first chance to talk to you in 2023 next week. Can't believe it's already here, 2023. It felt like we were talking Super Bowl just yesterday with the Rams and the Bengals. And now we're talking playoffs. It's like it's unbelievable. And I and I thank you so much, Gene. I hope you have a blessed 2023, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you, my friend. Dan Zampano here on Sports Country Radio. That is going to do it for us here this morning. Um, just a quick personal note: lost my uh, my aunt to uh, 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 yesterday. She passed away at the age of 78. Heart failure it was my father's uh, sister. Um, and she was one of my favorite people, lived up in Maine, uh, but she passed away yesterday. So in her honor on our way out this morning, here's a little Vince Gill. Go rest high on that mountain. We'll see you on Tuesday, our first show of 2023 as we get back to our daily schedule. Looking forward to it. We'll see you then. Uh, here's a little Vince Gill uh, and, uh, in honor of my Aunt Joanne. Have a great day, everybody.